All right, everyone, we'll go ahead and get started here. Thanks so much for coming to the Effective Athleticism Breakout. Hope you had a good dinner. Uh, I had some pizza. It's fantastic. I'm very full. I ate too much, but that's okay. Pound a lot of water after. Uh, just to warn you, if I break out in the cough, um, I've actually, um, we had just had a kid, so I was a little bit sick, and you kind of don't want to be sick around a newborn, so went to the doctor, they tested me. I didn't really want to get tested, but he tested me for COVID, strep and flu. I don't have any of it, so I guess I just have something else, thankfully. Um, so don't be alarmed. Uh, anyway, so we got a, a few different schools here represented. So who all do we got? Where's everybody from? Northwest. 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 Where, where else? Mizzou. Washburn, Mizzou. All right. K-State. All right. KU. 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 Northwestern. In Iowa. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Any other schools? UMKC. Arkansas State. All right. Uh, we got a wide variety. I like it. What different athletic teams do we have here? Soccer, soccer, track, football, volleyball, baseball, softball, track. Am I missing any? Golf, tennis. Were you the one dominating ping pong? Yeah. Was that you? Wow. Your reputation precedes you. Guys, I've been talking about it. It's pretty cool. Uh, Anyway, again, welcome. If I, if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Alex Rebeck. I get the privilege of serving on staff with Stumo at Northwest Missouri State. My wife, Anna, and I do. We absolutely love it. Um, here's a picture of us here, a little family. Um, so I went to K-State, got to play football there. My wife went there as well. She was in Kappa. Uh, we actually both lived in Haymaker Hall, had a great experience there. Uh, this is our little man, Emmett. At, uh, this is us here at Dallas and Mandy's wedding. Um, so he's um, a little, he's like 21-ish months, so we're really enjoying him. Um, I'm actually missing him during this conference, um, but we actually recently, three weeks ago today, had our daughter, Stella. Uh, we welcomed her to our family, so here she is here. Um, she's been pretty great. Um, yeah, she's a sister there, in case you can't tell. Um, anyway, that's our little uh, family there. Um, uh, this is the guy, so I don't know if you guys know Heath, but he serves on staff with Stumo at K-State. Um, he was a junior on the team in college when I was a freshman, and he was the guy who led me to Christ and that discipled me from there. Um, actually was the best man in my wedding, um, so we're boys to this day. He's kind of my day one homie, uh, if you will, so that's us on my wedding day. Um, he's my guy. Um, sorry, my clicker is a little bit uh, delayed. So I'm excited to talk about uh, being a college athlete. I loved getting to be a college athlete. There's a lot of things. I know we got a lot of different sports here represented, but there's a lot of things that are just similar about being a college athlete. Um, at least for me, I found myself sweating a lot of times when I was in college. I found myself like changing clothes three or four times a day, sometimes in the same clothes, but you know, you got like treatment, weight room, practice, some sort of random other thing. You don't even know how you end up at the facility, right? It's just part of being a college athlete. Sometimes, no offense, but some, sometimes other college students share with you how they're so busy and you just wonder okay all right sometimes you feel like class is the easiest part of your day like sometimes like oh, after this miserable workout i'll gladly go sit in class hopefully stay awake all right but sometimes class is the easiest part of your day being a college athlete people ask you hey what did coach say after the game you're like i just i don't know like I, I listen but i can't really tell you what he said it's just hard to articulate right you guys feel me on that part of being a college athlete you see your family less 
You're at your school more. Um, it probably costs you all more sacrifices to come to this SMC. I commend you all for this. Some of you got to report back to campus early. I commend you all for that. I know you're eager to do it, but sometimes with being a college athlete, there's additional sacrifices that need to be made. I respect you guys for making them. There's a lot of things that come with being a college athlete and being an athlete in general. A lot of those are good things. Some of those are not so good. We got everywhere in between. One thing that's common in today's world when being an athlete with regards to God and things of faith, with being an athlete, this is, this is pretty popular. What we like to do right now, it's common and popular to give God credit. And that's a good thing. We give God credit. Score a touchdown. What do a lot of people do? Point to the sky. You got cross tattoos, cross necklaces. We give God credit. Pray before games. Pray after. Pray individually. Pray as a team. A lot of times we give God credit. But what isn't common is to give God control. We give God credit, which is good. We give him credit, but it doesn't stop there. God doesn't want just credit. He wants control. God doesn't just want credit. He wants control. Not control to take your life. Control to give you life. Like we've talked about, not to, make, not to give us freedom to do as we want, but to give us freedom to do as we ought. And to do as we should. And to do that in a way that will actually give us life and not take it away. God wants so much more than just credit. Yes, he wants credit. But he wants control. He wants control of my life and he wants control of your life. So I'm excited to talk about that. Here's a few verses unpacking that. Luke 6, 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why do you give me credit? And not do what I say, but give me no control. John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. John 14, a few verses later, 23 through 24, Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear, you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. Yes, God wants credit, but he wants control. He wants so much more than just credit. He wants control. Not only from that, he wants control of our lives, but then with our faith, he wants to make it contagious. He wants credit, yes, but then he wants control, and then he wants to make your faith contagious. Yes, on your athletic team, and through the world, like from the world beyond that. So with this breakout, yes, you want to think through on your specific athletic team, absolutely, but we want to think through your life beyond it, and even in, cl- even in college, think about your classmates. Think about other people. Uh, you might have some other friendships or relationships on campus apart from your team, um, and people that you could really help in their faith. And so let those people come to mind during this breakout. You don't want to ignore your team necessarily, but you, we also don't want to ignore the campus around us either. And we, and we want to have an athleticism, if you will, that truly is effective. Like you kind of said on the description, when it comes to being an athlete, you can, you can leave behind records, stats, national championships, PRs, whatever it is. You can leave that behind in college, but it doesn't last. And I would wonder if it doesn't last, how much does it matter? Or we can leave behind people. You can leave behind souls. Eternity's changed. Your own change and men and women who can say, I know Christ because of this person. That matters. Not that, not that our sport doesn't matter at all. There's value to it, but there's a greater value. And being that college athlete, we get the opportunity to live for that value. You guys got influence, you got a platform, you have opportunity, you have a locker room, you got so we have you have so many things in front of you and opportunities to take advantage of when it comes to being a college athlete, to make your athleticism truly effective, if you will. So first off, we want to make two decisions. So two decisions to make. Decision number one, we want to join the right team. 
We want to join the right team. You want to be on the right team. And basically what I mean by that is we want to, one, choose to follow Christ ourselves. We want to make that decision. Joshua 24, verses 14 through 15 says this. It says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, which team you will join, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. The land we're living in, America, sports, everyone's bowing down to the sport idol. Right? We have an opportunity. We have a decision to make. Am I going to be on that team and just worship the sport? Or am I going to choose my, for myself? No, I'm going to steward my sport. We're going to talk about that, but I'm going to serve God. He's going to be my number one priority. We want to join the right team. A couple questions to tell me. What, what team am I on? What is most important to me? What or who do I think about the most? What or who do I make the most decisions in light of? What or who do I sacrifice the most for? What or who do I prioritize on a consistent basis? Some of these questions can be helpful for assessing, hey, what's my Lord? Who's my Lord? What's most important to me? Who's most important to me? We want to join the right team. I know for me, I share this with some of you. I didn't grow up as like the spiritual guy or whatever. Um, basically, like sports and grades, just personal success was always number one to me. Right? That was what I lived for. That was my idol. Um, you're, you've heard like, oh, you're just born to play football. Right? Football's like 300 years old most. It's like, what if I was born 300 years before? Was I born for, I don't know, like nothing? I hope not. Right? But I had that mindset. And so... I wanted to make it to the NFL. The only problem was I didn't have a single scholarship offer coming out of high school. It's kind of a problem, right? Uh, big problem. But K-State said, hey, you can come walk on. It's like, all right, I'll come walk on. And I did it, and it basically worked out. I got everything I wanted athletically. It just didn't satisfy. It's like, I'm tired of being on the wrong team. Some of you guys maybe experienced that. Everything you've dreamed about, like growing up, you've gotten, it doesn't satisfy if you haven't gotten it yet, I promise you, if you get it, it, it won't do it. It won't do it. Only God satisfies, like we talked about during the main session. And so Heath and I, it was my friend, it was probably my redshirt freshman year. He had like a little faith discussion going on, on the football team. And I remember the first time uh, he asked me to come to SMC, um, I told him no. So you all did better than I did. Uh, he asked me the second time, I told him no. Um, he asked me to go to Clay, I kept telling him no. I was just a no guy. Uh, but thankfully, Heath was persistent. And what was cool about him is he was just, uh, I don't know, he was patient with me. He didn't, like, uh, condemn me or anything like that. But he was living a Christ-centered life. Like, I could tell Jesus was real to him. Jesus was the number one priority, so I respected that. And as we were reading the Bible together, then it, it began to make sense. Jesus lived a perfect life and then died for me. Jesus died for me. Football didn't die for me. Your sport didn't die for you. Right? Sports make a bad master, would you agree? Jesus makes the perfect master. So I was like, man, I'm, I'm sick of this other master. I got one life. I want to live my life for the best master. And I, I kind of was, a, I'd already made a bad master of my own life in general. Football was a bad master. Jesus is a much better master. We want to join the right team. We want to follow Christ ourselves. So if you haven't made that decision yet, I encourage you to think about it. 
And maybe you have, and even to this day, I don't know, maybe you've done this already, but even though I have, sometimes things, like doubts come to my mind, ah, that sin looks fun. All my buddies on the team, they're doing this. I wish I could be doing that. I know I shouldn't, but I wish I could. That looks fun. But then I think, and I sober up. But when I was doing it, I wasn't satisfied. I was miserable. Why would I ever go back? We got a better master now. Right? We want to be on the right team. We want to choose for ourselves who we're going to serve. We're going to serve something. We're going to have, there's going to be a master in our life. We're going to be disciplined for something. Right? We got one life. We get one shot. We want to be disciplined for the right thing. We want to be on the right team. We want to have the right master. Number two, we want to buy into the team goal. Buy into the team's goal. We want to buy into the team's goal. So what I mean by that is we want to, um, kind of like what uh, Philip talked about today, we want to embrace the reason why God has called us into a relationship with him. We want to, God has a reason why we're on the team, right? And we want to buy into that goal. And I think we're on our teams, yes, to have some success, win some games, Nothing wrong with that. That's great. But we're on it for a much bigger purpose. Acts 17, um, verses 26 through 30, says this. Read it with me, if you will. It says, From one man he made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. For God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, the image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God, God looked over such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. But now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Where, where God's put you at in your life right now, where he's put me, he's put us there so that we would repent, that we would turn and trust from sin with our one life. Then he wants the people around you to do the exact same thing. And he wants you to be the people to reach him. He wants more than just credit. He wants, to, he wants control, but then he wants to make your faith contagious. That's the purpose for being on. That's the purpose for following God, right? That's, that's what he calls us to. Simply to know Christ and make him known with our one life. That, that's that's the, the team goal of following Christ, to know him and then to make him known. I talked about Heath. He was the best man in my wedding. Let me to Christ, disciple me. He didn't do it perfectly, but he tried and... Uh, Man, we've had a ton of fun together. And uh, then he just, he's kind of like my spiritual leader. And he showed me all the ropes of following Christ. How to study the Bible, how to pray, how to memorize scripture, how to fight sin. Um, how to not give in to temptation. A bunch of things. Um, and then I just kind of, um, I was a linebacker. I think I mentioned that. But then there's another linebacker on the team that I just turned around. And everything he did with me, it's like, man, I, I know Jesus. I want other men to know him. So I turned around and did the exact same thing with a guy named Blake. Blake was actually, I got to be the best man at his wedding. Uh, when he got married a couple of years ago. And I had no clue what God was doing at the time. I mean, I, yeah, I messed up a lot trying to help Blake grow in his faith. Grow in his faith. Like, I didn't know what to say most times. Um, I was impatient. I didn't have all the right answers. I stumbled through a lot. Um, but God used it. I just tried. I just tried to get on God's, um, try to um, bind to God's, um, Sorry, lost my train of thought. Um, God's plan for me being on the team was just so much more than making tackles um, and winning games. And there's a lot of, I mean, Blake wouldn't tell you, but there's a lot of people who are starting to follow Christ uh, because of Blake's life. A lot of people. 
Ask someone else. Don't ask him because he won't tell you. There's a lot of people. And I, I mean, we were just a couple of knucklehead linebackers trying to read the Bible and apply it. It was very rough, um, but it was genuine. We just tried. That's all it takes, just trying. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful. Um, I didn't do it perfect, but I didn't have a me-centered Christianity. Right? Point to this guy, off, go do my own thing. He wants so much more than his credit. He wants control and to make your faith contagious. And you never know how God's going to use the person you impact. You never know. Discuss. Why is following Christ worth it to you? Or why might it be worth it? Why is living for his mission worth it? Discuss that for about two minutes. I'll bring us back together after that. All right. I'm going to have to bring us back together here. But this is a question that's good for us to consider if we're, consider if we're not following Christ. Great question to consider. And even for me to this day, it's like, no, why am I doing this? Why is it worth it? There's a hundred reasons. I just come back to me. He died for me. And he rose. No one else has ever done that. So I'm in. He died to give me life. I'm in. And to live for his mission is worth it so that other people can experience the exact same thing. So we're going to do this. We're going to be on the right team. We're going to embrace his purpose and mission for our lives. We're, there's two things we got to do. And we've mentioned this um, throughout the conference. But number one, we got to hear from God personally. We want to hear from God personally personally we want to hear from god personally studying the bible reading the bible memorizing scripture pray this is a picture of a dorm room in k-state it was not exactly my dorm room but it's pretty similar looking and um i don't know why i remember it but we and somehow we got like this nasty old uh mothball smelling l-sectional couch into our room and uh it was blake it was blake and i in there and uh, we had like this bunk bed, and we had this nasty couch. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, no rats are in there or anything, so that was good. Um, but then I, re- I remember a lot, oftentimes in the mornings in that dorm room, um, you would find like me on one side of the couch um, on my knees praying, and then you would see Blake on the other on his knees praying. And uh, I did that. Not that I know how to pray right now, but then. I really didn't know um, what to say, um, but I tried. And I really didn't know how to like study the Bible in depth. Um, but I remember sitting at the desk very similar to that and just being locked in. And I hadn't really read the Bible before. Um, I was like, man, that's really in there. Like, wow, uh, this is interesting. Uh, and, the, and the Bible kind of became super interesting to me. Um, and God began to speak to me and change my life. Deuteronomy chapter 32, the beginning of verse 47 says, these are, they're not just idle words for you. They are your life. They're not just idle words. The Bible is not just a textbook. It is not just how to get through life. It is not just a feel good Instagram post. It is not just, I don't, it's not this little cliche saying it's, it's your life. It's how God communicates to us, not to puff our heads up with knowledge and pride, but that we can get to know what God says and who he is and what he's like and we can begin to experience him and his plan and purposes for our lives and hear from him personally ourselves they're not just idle words they're our our life when it comes to prayer james says you want something but don't get it you kill and covet but you cannot have what you want you quarrel and fight you do not have because you do not ask god when you ask you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend your what you get on your pleasure. So yes, God wants us to be people who pray, who talk to him, but not so that we can just get what we want, but so that we can have the power to do what God wants. All right, that's what I would think like he said yesterday, prayer is a 
what do you call it? A walkie-talkie uh, for war or something like that? Do we even know what a walkie-talkie is anymore? Is that we know? Okay, all right. Home Alone, you guys seen that thing? Anyway, I'm, not, I'm getting off track. Um, but, man, it's so much more than just like, oh, God, help me. Help us win. Have you ever wondered that? So if we pray to win and the other team prays to win and we don't win, what does that mean? Like, I don't know. God must like them more. But that's not biblical, right? So praying has to go so much more than just, ah, help me win. Help me get a grade on this test. How about, God, help me know you and follow you. I grew up 20 years not following Christ, a bunch of sinful habits. Drink, I'm, I, don't wanna, I don't do it to brag, but it's just where I was at. Drinking, I would like smoke if it was free. Um, a bunch of things. Pornography, that just all marked my life. And praying and getting in the Bible, hearing from God personally, was so helpful and crucial being set free from sin. Not free to do as I want, free to do as I ought. Right? And so, we've got to hear from God personally. Right? Hear from God ourselves. Um, oh, picture Anna here and Emmett. Color is weird. Uh, we don't go to the tanning bed, although it looks like it in here. Um... But it's kind of, I talked about this earlier today, but like, I want to hear from Anna personally. She wants to hear from me personally. It's a personal relationship I have with my wife. If I, if I hear from someone else about Anna, that's great, but I want to hear from her. If you hear from someone else about God, like, that's great. There's a purpose for that, but God wants to hear from you. God wants to speak to you. It's a personal relationship with you and that what you have with God. God wants it to be personal. Uh, Discuss, how do you want to improve your time with God on a daily basis this next semester? How do you want to improve your time with God on a daily basis this next semester? Uh, Pastor Chad said yesterday, the 30 for 30 challenge, that'd be great, 30 days and 30 minutes. That would be hard for me, um, just to keep it real. Uh, Mayor View, it's like 30 days for five minutes. That would be huge. I'd encourage you, you leave SMC. I don't know if you guys are like me, but it's, it is unbelievably easy to have like my Bible on my desk without opening it. Anybody feel me on that? Or like to have it in my backpack, to bring it all the way home and then not open it, and then get just open it. Get home. Get home from SMC before. Just open it. Read one word. Read the. All right. <laughs> Try that. But I bet you'll read more. All right. Just just go. Just get home from SMC and open it, even if it's for a minute better than nothing. It needs to be more than that, but it's better than nothing. All right. Number two, we must hear from God with others. We got to hear from God with others. Yes, ourselves, but yes, with others. We got to hear from God with others. Proverbs thirteen twenty: he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. If we want to be wise, we got to walk with the wise. What did, what did he talk about yesterday? I don't know if it was like ducks, turkeys, eagles, ferrets. I don't know what it was. It was like, if you want to run with, fly with eagles, you can't be you can't be swimming with ducks or turkey. Yeah, something like that. You guys get the idea, okay? So, walk with wise people. We need other people around us. Things like faith discussions, Bible studies, Sumo Night, you, SMC. You guys are here, obviously. Kaleo, etc. We got to hear from God with others. I think about this like a bullseye. Uh, Pastor Chad said it yesterday. He said, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. You could also say, show me your leader, I'll show you your life. Right, who we're following is how we're going to end up. Who's around us is how we're going to end up. And so we're going to talk about this. If you, you know, if you start to follow Christ, God doesn't want you to live in a holy huddle. 
He doesn't want you to be that like comfortable, go to bed at nine o'clock and get a 4.0 Christian. Like that's not what it means to follow Christ, right? God wants us to know him and to make him known. Um, so we don't want to be in our holy huddle, but when I think about you know, your life, your, your circle of friends, the closer to your heart, the people that are really close to your life that you want to let influence you, you want, you want them to be people who want to be about what you're about, right? So you don't need to like cut other friends out of your life, but the people that are, the, that if you want to follow Christ, you know, and make him known, you want to put those people at the center of your life and your friendships. You want to prioritize those. Yes, there's going to be other people in other circles of our life. It's great. I got a lot of friends who aren't following Christ. It's like, I don't dislike them. Any, like, we're still buddies, right? But even my own family, closest family members not following Christ. I still love them, still really enjoy them. I'm not mad. We're not mad at it, you know. It's like, it's not us versus them, right? We're all in this deal together, all right? Uh, it's actually a picture of my first SMC. Apparently, I really like the Cardinals. Uh, I want to bring back the red beard, but my wife won't let me. Um... On the right, you got me. Blake came in that year. He flew in from Houston. Then you got Heath, the buzz cut, a guy named Drew, who's another guy on the team. Then Joel. Um, but it was just, man, one of the first times I kind of heard from God with others. And it was it was awesome. I'd never really been to anything like this before. I don't know if any of you guys are with me on that. Um, but it was great. I don't know why. I just thought it was kind of embarrassing picture. Fun to share. Anyway, um, you see the lanyard at SMC? We used to do that. Should we bring that back? The wristband. Yeah, you like the wristband? Okay. All right, good to know. Anyway, first SMC, um, absolutely loved it. Um, Discuss how can you make the most of these opportunities to hear from God with others this next semester? How can you make the most to hear from God with others this next semester? Discuss for like one minute. All right, maybe wrap up those combos. Sorry if I have to cut you off. I remember why I threw up this picture other than so you could see my red beard. Um, so when Blake and I, Blake was, uh, uh, he's way smarter than me. He got his degree, degree in mechanical engineering and management. Uh, I only got one degree, but the guy's got two. But I remember at K-State, uh, Stumo nights were on Thursday nights. And I think Blake was in like, um, thermodynamics. I don't know, you got any engineers in here? Like differential equations or something. Some really smart class that I didn't ever be in, uh, wasn't ever in. But, uh, I don't know, he had like this something due every Friday and he probably could have worked head, ahead a little bit better um, but hearing from God with others was such a priority to him uh, when Sumo and I on Thursday came every week he never missed one and I remember um, him leaving our after Sumo and I we'd go back to the room and just hang out whatever then I remember him leaving the room and uh, like the team gear that year the travel gear was like these huge baggy sweats that were gray and purple and then a huge baggy hoodie that was gray and purple he and I just rocked all the time it's pretty awesome um, I just remember him leaving the dorm room, going every Thursday night at like 11.30 to have his all-nighter of thermodynamics um, every week. And then when we would travel on road games, we'd get to the hotel and he would pass out. Um, that's okay, though. Um, but it, hearing from God with others, assuming I was just important to him, it was a priority. He got his schoolwork done, but he wasn't going to miss that Thursday night. And, he brought, and a lot of other guys didn't miss it because he came. Right? We want to prioritize these things. Bible studies, faith discussions, a lot of you guys are already doing that. Continue uh, to do so. Oh, this is my first Kaleo. Um, Heath again on the right, and then there's me. Um, you can probably tell. Um, this is my buddy Rodney, um, who was a receiver on the team. So Heath led both Rodney and I to Christ 
and then we lived together. I don't know if you guys know Cody Cooper, but here he is right here. Um, anyway, um, and then here's a picture of us at Kaleo this past summer. So improvement, improvement in the picture quality there. Uh, Carson, I think you took this one. Thank you. Um, but hearing from God with others at Kaleo, I know a lot of us have already been or going back. Um, man, I love it. It's one of my favorite things that we get to do. It's one of the most encouraging things in my faith personally. I think, I, I don't know, I've been to a lot. Um, going back this summer. Um, there are limited spots at Kaleo. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. Um, and again, applying doesn't commit you. But I think you get a free t-shirt from your campus if you apply. So if you want a free t-shirt, I would apply. And I would really consider going. Um, man, there's nothing else like uh, Kaleo. So uh, five fruitful tips for impact. So we kind of looked at the personal end, uh, parts of following God, hearing from God ourselves, hearing from God with others, kind of that personal dimension, that upward um, and downward, if you will. Now we're going to talk about the outward. Okay, if I want to have an impact on my team, if I want to have an impact on my friends, my classmates, dorm floor, whatever it is, um, how do I go about doing that? What are some good ways? So there's lots of things we could cover. I got five ones. Hopefully they'll be fruitful. Number one, be with the team. Be with the team. Or if you got friends, you want to be you want to be with them. Our classmates and stuff like that. Um, we want to be with them. Luke nineteen ten. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save. What was lost? So Jesus, uh, Jesus came to seek and save. He wants us to do the same. John twenty twenty one. Again, Jesus said, "Peace be with you." As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. God wants to kind of get us out there. Wants to kick us out of the nest, if you will. So if we want an impact on the team, we don't want to be on our our little holy huddle, right? We want to be with the team. We want to be with the people because Jesus was with. The people, be with the team, practice, weights, film, trips, dinner, weekends, parties, bars, whatever it is. We want to be with the team. Uh, throwback picture. This was our Bible study one year. So me here. Sorry, my eyes are closed. And here's Rodney. And uh, in light of being with the team, here's Joel. And if you see, there's Heath. Uh, Colin Klein right there. I don't know if you guys know who he is. Anyway, uh, this was our faith discussion. Uh, but then Rodney and I were in like a, a Bible study as well with Heath and uh Talk about being with the team. Uh, Rodney was a much more social guy than me. Like before Christ, when I would party, I just kind of wanted to go to the house and and party. Didn't I wasn't really like the huge party guy. I just wanted to do, unfortunately, numb out with a smaller group of people. Um, but when I came to Christ, I was like, man, it's important that I'm with the team. But I still kind of was tempted to live that non-Christ-like life while I was out. So what Rodney and I would do... Um, I remember one year we both had labrum surgery. It was really weird. We lived together. I had labrum surgery in my right arm. He had labrum surgery on his left arm. And so we were in our dorm room in Haymaker Hall, and we both had our slings on. So I was on my right, his on his left. And this is really annoying. I don't know if you guys have ever had shoulder surgery before, but it's just very inconvenient. It was cold that winter. And I remember the, like on the weekends, I just wanted to chill. I just wanted to stay in my room, following Christ, me center Christianity a lot of times, go to bed early, wake up early, you know, have a nice little quiet time. And, and be good to go. I remember Rodney. Um, was like, man, I know that he called me Al. Like Al, I know. I don't know why he called me Al, but he just did. Um, but a lot of times it would be Rodney. Like, hey, we need to go to the bars with the guys on the team. We care about them. We want to be with them. And even and even though I was tempted sometimes to give in, uh, because Rodney was with me, I didn't because I kind of had a buddy. Right, the buddy system. All right, heavyweights. Is that a movie anyone's seen? No. Sad. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So it can be helpful. You know, there might be some scenarios that are too tempting that are you're going to cave to sin. I had those as well that you need to avoid for a period of time. That's okay. Um, but if you want to go out and they're tempting, 
mean, have someone with you to hold you accountable. That was really helpful for me. Number two, live a holy and consistent life. So if we're going to have an impact on the team, we want to live a holy and consistent life. This was really helpful for me with Heath. He wasn't perfect, but he was living a consistent lifestyle. Hebrews 12, 14, make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy, which means without sin. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, we're not going to see God. Our relationship with him isn't going to grow, isn't going to be cultivated. And without us being holy, other people aren't going to see God in us. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And I don't know if you guys were at the uh, character breakout. It was really good. And I thought Drew put it well. Is we don't got to be perfect, um, but people know when we're trying, right? And sometimes you're going to mess up. I've messed up in front of people. And what I should do a better job doing is just kind of saying, hey, man, I'm sorry about that. I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm trying to follow Christ. That didn't represent him well. Would you, man, would you forgive me for that? Like, my bad. Um, I think there's a place for that. No one's going to do it perfectly. Um, but we can do it genuinely and wholeheartedly. First um, Corinthians 8.13, and I'll explain this in a second. Um, but basically, the Apostle Paul, in the time he was living in, um, what people would do, they would take this food and they would sacrifice it to idols, to other gods, right? And it wasn't, it wasn't Christian. This was a sin for them to do. And so people came to Christ out of this environment, but then sometimes they would be tempted to go back to their old ways and have this food and sacrifice it to idols, right? But that, that was sin for them to do. And so Paul didn't want them to go back to that, Right? And so Paul didn't want to do anything that would cause them to stumble or to cause these people to be tempted to do this. So Paul says this. He says, therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause him to fail. So that sometimes there's like there's a lot of things like it seems gray. Can I do this? Should I do this? Should I not? Like, well, that might be the wrong question to be asking. Is, that, is this going to help me in my faith? Is it going to help other people? Is this going to be a good model or a bad model. It was really helpful for me because Heath was caring enough and sacrificial enough that he cared more about the image of Christ that I was seeing than he did his own enjoyment. Right? And that was really helpful for me that Heath wasn't living a hypocritical lifestyle, but he was consistent. And it didn't cause me to fall into sin. It really helped my faith. Picture in our Bible study. Anyway, <laughs> number three, uh, share the gospel with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. So we want to share gentleness and respect. First Peter 3.15, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. So we're not trying to make arguments. We're not against people. We're not trying to go out and just like on my little crusade and telling people they need to, you need to get right. It's not what we're doing. Gentleness and respect. Now, some people say, oh, I don't, I share my faith, but I don't, I don't use words. Well, the gospel is, I mean, it's a message, right? So, I mean, and Jesus himself used words and he lived the perfect life. So if I'm claiming my life is living so, I'm living so well that I don't need to use words, but Jesus needed to use words. It's kind of prideful. So we want to live out a consistent life, yes, but then we want to use words. But we want to do that with gentleness and respect. And specifically, we want to know our audience. So with people on your team, kind of want to know your audience. Jesus said this. He said, I have much more to say to you, but more than you can now bear. So Jesus knew his 
audience. So specifically, like, um, don't use big Christian words around people who aren't following Christ. Even words like salvation, community, identity, holiness, um, just Christianese. It's like, me, like, I wasn't a Christian, so these Christianese, like, I'm thankful he didn't use them, because they would have been, like, speaking French. Like, like dude, I don't understand you, and you're weird. <laughs> But he was he was speaking my language. He knew me. He wasn't talking about all these these weird things, right? And so I think we can meet people where they're at, and we can know our audience. We don't want to use words that people don't understand. You don't want to like go out there and uh, like flex. We don't want to go out there and flex on people. Like, look at how much I know. Like, that's going to intimidate them. Like Philip said today, let's show them how much we care, because they're not going to care what we know if they don't know how much we care. So know our audience. Number four, be a good steward of my sport, but have God as my number one priority. We want to be good stewards of our sport, but have God as my number one priority. So, I don't know, maybe this is wrong, but we went to Kaleo, and our goal coming back from Kaleo was that we're going to come back, and we're going to be the most violent guys on the team. I'm not coming back soft. I kind of want all, all of us to say that together, but we won't do it. But don't, don't come back soft. Don't follow Christ and be, get lazy. Don't don't be like, this sport doesn't matter, so I'm just a bum. No, be a steward of your sport, okay? Um, actually, Morgan Burns was a guy that Blake discipled. He was a corner at K-State. We went to Kaleo for five, four and a half-ish weeks. Um, he worked at McDonald's, worked on the hot sun all afternoon, and then went, went back to K-State and broke the 300-yard shuttle record for conditioning because he busted his tail down at Kaleo, right? So we want to be a good steward. In some instances, you should you should work harder. If you're following Christ, you should work harder. Flat out. You should do more than other people on the team. But God's number one. Don't bow down to the sport idol. Right? I think when we follow Christ, the standard for the sport should increase. Absolutely. But our standard for God should increase all the more. Right? We should be better teammates. We should be better players. Um, we should be more about the team. We should be great locker room people. Right, we should be glue people. Right? Colossians 3, 23-24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. It's working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever we're doing, we want to work at it as if we're working for God. Number five, honor the coaches and support staff. Honor the coaches and support staff. So we should honor them. Trainers, strength coaches, film people, student managers, assistants. Uh, we should honor them, right? Um, we should show them respect. Romans thirteen seven. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe him taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We owe our coaches honor. Not that we're gonna, not that they're the number one in our life. God is. But if we owe them honor, we need to give them honor. First Peter two twelve. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Honor people in authority over us. We should be able to support some of the support staff's favorite people. Not necessarily because of our talent. I'm not talking about that. Because of who we are. Because of our character. Right? And we should honor them. We shouldn't talk bad about them. Uh, discuss. Which of these do you apply the most in being outward with your faith this next semester? Take about two minutes to do that. And being outward with our faith. Um, I know it takes, uh, it takes a lot of courage and boldness. One thing being an athlete, you're kind of used to being outside your comfort zone. You're used to being critiqued and criticized. You're kind of used to having to go for it, right? You're used to being nervous. I mean, are you guys feel me on that? 
It's like, and so I'll leverage that to your faith. It's like, you've been kind of going for it your whole life. Just go for it. Just, just try. Who are some people that you could share your faith with? Two finer major, uh, two final major items, if you will, hopefully, if I can talk. Uh, care about what God thinks more than what people think. Care about what God thinks more than what people think. I don't know. This is just human. At least I feel like this. I just tend to care about what people think. And there's a good place for that, right? It's a good thing to have a good name. Um, but we don't want to be so concerned with our reputation that it stops us from doing what God wants. This is a heavy verse. Matthew ten twenty eight. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Nobody can destroy us like that. Right? We want to fear God more than we fear people. We want to care about what he thinks right? more than what other people think. Number two, plan a, plan a work ahead. This is very practical, but just plan a work ahead. Isaiah 32, 8. This is literally in the Bible. But the noble, but the noble make noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. That kind of rhymes. But they make noble plans, and by noble deeds he stands. So you want to plan and work Ahead for you to make your Bible study, your faith discussion every week, Stumo, whatever it is, to be able to get in the Word in the morning, you might have to plan ahead. What I would do at the beginning of the semester, I would look at all of my syllabi. Is that how you say that plural? Wow, oh, I got it right. And you might need a plan. When are my tests? When are my projects? When are my speeches? When are all these things due so that I can do the main thing? So I can prioritize God and serve and love on people and share. My faith. How can I plan and work at it? I respect it. Even at Northwest. In the case today, our earliest lift was like at 6 a.m., which is kind of late compared to Northwest. Um, a lot of times it's 5.30, 5 a.m. And so you guys know it. Your, your, your windows are short, so you got to plan and work ahead. It doesn't just happen. You don't just have like, all right, I got eight, eight random hours this afternoon. What am I going to do with it? Like That doesn't happen as a college athlete, and that's a good thing, right? That's how life works. Um, so I love college athletics. Uh, but you got to plan and work ahead so that you can prioritize uh, your faith. So effective athleticism. Um, man, great opportunity being a college athlete. Um, I hope next year at SMC we have more college athletes here. Um, and not that it's just about bringing people to here, but hopefully we go back and we grow our personal ministries. Who's a few people on your team you can share your faith with, you can share your testimony with, um, and begin to help them in their faith. Uh, what I would encourage you to do is whoever brought you here, whoever that spiritual leader is, man, lean into them. Learn from them. They're there to help you. Um, a lot of times in my faith, a lot of things come up. I'm like, I want to do that, but I don't know how. I know what I want to do, but I just don't have the motivation. A lot of times a spiritual leader, great for helping us how, and great for helping us do what we know we want to do. Anyway. All right, so thank you so much for coming. Thank you for our t uh, your time. I'm grateful for it. Uh, uh, all right, uh, it's 7.49. Uh, yeah, I think the main session starts at 8 o'clock. Is that right? All right, thanks, y'all. I appreciate it.